Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Your host is Becky Olson. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, their friends, and family by providing resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here is your host, Becky Olson. Thanks so much for tuning in. My name is Becky Olson. I'm the co-founder of Breast Friends. I'm also a five-time survivor of advanced stage breast cancer, a motivational speaker, and the published author of The Hat That Saved My Life. And before I introduce my guest today, whom I know some of you are coming to love and adore, maybe almost as much as I do. I think so, yeah. So anyway. If anyone out there loves and adores me, right, Becky? (laughs) Let me know. But anyway, in the meantime, before I introduce you, um, we need to just take a minute sometime today and pray for our leaders. We're mm. coming up on, a, on an election, I think, in, is it three weeks away? Less, or less far than, less. Less yeah. than three weeks. I've already voted, yeah. so that's what you know. There you go. So, um, And in Oregon, by the way, we have been voting by mail for years. and we have Over 20 years. We have very little, if any, voter fraud here in Oregon. So anyway, just saying that. Um, so... With that said, pray for our leaders, pray for compassion, pray for kindness, and pray for humility, Mm -hmm. because I think all of them could use a major dose of that. I think all of us, all of us can use a major dose of that, but, but definitely pray for those things because- What are those three things again? Compassion, kindness, and humility. I like it. Yeah, those three, those three things. So with that, also consider joining Breast Friends Around the Globe. Um, introduce yourself to our group. This is a Facebook group page that we have. It's called Breast Friends Around the Globe. Uh, introduce yourself to the group. We have 509 members. I'm very excited about that. So thank you. I know Bill has been sending I'm, out invitations. And- I'm looking at a beautiful map of the world. It's really beautiful on mm-hmm. Becky's wall in her office. And there's little pins on all the countries, like China's on there, China, and um, <laughs> the Philippines. I have good friends in the Philippines and folks that work in America now. For There's so many nations on there that have not yet been checked off. And yeah. so, please, especially if you know a man, because men can join this group, too, if Becky lets them in. I do. I'll let you in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, standards must be really low. <laughs> but if you have a, 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 a husband, a brother that has someone in their family, someone close to them who's gone through breast cancer, they may enjoy many of the dialogues and things that are shared on breast friends around the globe. And particularly if they live overseas, somebody in Ethiopia would be nice. Actually, I think we have somebody in Ethiopia, don't we? Not yet. Not yet. Okay. Either that or I couldn't find the country to put the dot on. (laughs) There's that too. I'm a little, little geographically challenged at Angola times. Angola would be nice. But we have 113 countries where we have people who have listened to our show, and we're very excited about that. So keep them coming. And you know, once you join, you, you do have to ask to be invited to join, which I'm more than happy to let you in the second I see your, your request. And then let us know where you're from. Where are you listening from? I met a new friend yesterday from Ontario, Canada, and I'm really excited for her. Um, and I've got friends in Italy now that I've made personal acquaintances with. So so please do that and join us and participate in the group. You know, talk about shows that you listen to. And just today, to let you know, I uploaded a special link that comes directly from Voice America, and it's their app that you can put on your phone. And when you, and then they'll ask you to pick a station that would be your preferred station. Pick the Health and Wellness channel if you want to listen to this show. And then whatever you tune into, whatever's on the air at the time you tune in is what you'll listen to live. So if you do that at 9 a.m. Pacific, 
every Wednesday morning, you will hear the words as they're coming out of my mouth and not have to wait, you know, a few days to hear it. So, so definitely do that. Join us and, um, and be part of our live audience. And if you do, if you are listening when it's live, you can actually call into the show too and ask a question, which is very exciting. It never happens, but we'd love it if it did. <laughs> we, we, every now it and could then. Happen. It, could, it could happen right What's now. What's the phone number? Right now, uh, eight, uh-huh. eight, seven, I don't remember the See, phone number. How can I call? I know Aaron will text it to me on my screen right here, so I can just read it's it out loud. It's impossible to call without a phone number. There's that is so, so many true. phone numbers you can I know, call. There's like 10 digits you get Just to start from. dialing, and yeah. sooner or later you'll hit it. <laughs> Something will pop up. I think it's it's 877. No, I don't, I don't even know. Um, Aaron. Aaron's scrambling for it. He doesn't know. <laughs> he's he's going to find it. He just sent me a sad face. Meanwhile, I will say this. I would like to have someone from Madagascar join us. And also, although we already have Canada, it would be nice to have someone from British Columbia, in particular Vancouver Island, which is the second largest island in the Pacific, I learned yesterday. Did you? Oh, that's cool. You know cool. what the first largest island in the Pacific is? Um, New Zealand. How did you know that? I just learned it was in the Pacific. <laughs> I figured it was. <laughs> it's a pretty big island. It's so huge. Yeah. It is. Okay. So anyway, the number, Aaron, thank you very much, is 866-472-5792. Again, 866-472-5792. That will get you direct into the studio. I don't think it works from out of the country, though, so you have to yeah. be in the United States to do that. But but yeah, well, you can also text me. at you. Yeah, email me at becky at breastfriends.org, and I can respond to you that way, too. Anyway, with that said, we are going to pick up and continue reading my book, The Hat That Saved My Life. We are on Chapter 11, and last week when we were talking, um, we had just talked about me going back to school, and I had just started back January 1996. My boss down in Medford had asked me to commit to taking one class, just one class, to get started in that direction. And so I did. I, I went in and I started, you know, taking some, I signed up for one class. And then we ended it with Gary as a very clever man. He was my boss. He told me to commit to one class. So here we go. And feel free to jump in with anything that sounds important to you. Gary was a very clever man. He, he is. He still is, probably. Yes. I haven't talked to him in a long time. <laughs> my first regular class was, I called it bonehead math which in reality was college-level beginning algebra. I was assigned to this level of math from a mandatory placement test. I have always believed that numbers and letters don't belong in the same equation. If you tell me that 2 plus 2 equals 4, I'm okay. But if you tell me 2 plus n equals 4 and then want me to figure out what n is, I'm in deep trouble. I had a great teacher, and halfway through my 10-week class, I was actually beginning to grasp some of the concepts when I received my cancer diagnosis. I was only two months into my degree program when suddenly I had a decision to make and fast. Should I stay in school or should I quit? Taking a leave from work was an easy decision. My doctor signed the papers and my short-term disability was activated. Friends then encouraged me to quit school as well so I could stay home and focus on healing. That was not acceptable. I didn't like my circumstances and I didn't want to spend my day focusing on them. Also, knowing that Math and I are not best friends, there was no way I was going to throw away the five weeks I already had completed and then have to start over again. Um, I, do, I do want to say something here that's not in the book, at least not in this part. When I think about staying home and taking care of myself and not going to work and not going to school and not doing any of the things that brought me joy or bring me 
one step closer to a degree or something, something that just brings you a sense of accomplishment. What that meant to me to stay home and take care of myself means staying home. And I know we've we've talked about this before, but some of you may be in this boat right now. I stay home. I stay in my pajamas. I don't even get a shower because I don't care. When I get in that, that mindset, there are times when I go kind of deep into that little hole and I don't really care. And it's not... I'm not proud of those moments, um, but they're very real moments, and I think all of us deal with that in some degree or another. And, you know, I don't want to sit home and lay on my couch and get stinky and wear my pajamas and not shower, not put any makeup on, and, and just to, quote, take care of myself. That's not taking care of myself. It's the mm, opposite. I never put my makeup on. <laughs> That's true, but you should sometimes. I don't know. <laughs> You don't need it, honey. You're so cute. Anyway, um, so that that's an important message in there. You know, there, it's taking care of yourself doesn't just mean doing nothing. In fact, taking care of yourself often means doing something else that you love, that gets your mindset from the deep inside of whatever's going on in your life to thinking about external things that bring you that pleasure, right? The next line is very interesting. Okay. The decision to stay in school took about five seconds. And it took you three minutes to explain that decision. Yeah. Okay, go for it. <laughs> All right. Once I began chemotherapy, I was too sick to go to class. With the teacher's permission, my friend Sharon, and she's the one that co-founded Breast she's Friends with me. She's a very good friend. Yes. She's a breast friend. She is a breast friend. She was in class with me. She agreed to attend classes and then come over to my house the next day during her lunch hour and teach me what she learned the night before. For the next few weeks, we did our homework together, and then she turned uh, turned it in for me at the following class. The teacher worked with us and was willing to accept this arrangement as long as I made it back for the final exam. I did. We each received an A on our final, and Sharon was a great tutor. Straight A is not a bad way to start. I know, right? Who wants to give that up? So, And, and here's, here's the thing, too. There's something that we learned about absorbing information. The best way to absorb information is to learn it with the idea of teaching it to someone else because you really have to remember the details. And she got really good at doing that. So thank you, Sharon. Another shout out to you. When my math class was finally finally over, I was trying to decide what I should take next. With such a gloomy diagnosis, given only a 60% chance to survive past five years, I knew that if I was going to stay in school and get my degree, I'd better hurry. I had a long way to go and the clock was ticking. I decided to use my time off from work to get actively involved in the prior learning program. I had already attended the class to find out if I was a good candidate. Now I needed to enroll in the class and learn how to do it. I signed up for the class in September and spent the next four months writing essays. I picked up 44 credits doing those, during those four months. And just to kind of reemphasize what that means, the prior learning class our program actually gives you college-level credit for things that you've already learned as an adult, things that you've learned in your life and, and have learned how to apply them. It's like not just what you know, but how you know it. What, what did you do to learn that? So I was able to pick up 44 college credits, which is a year's worth of credits, by challenging classes over the next four months. And I, I could did have it. a PhD by now. You could. And I did it all online, so that was, that was really nice. And then when I got each essay done, I would meet with my advisor – and we would, he'd go through it with me, tell me if it qualified, and then we would pick the next date for the next meeting. I remember one time telling him, this is not in the book, but I remember one time telling him that I didn't really want to pick another date. Let me just see how I do. And he goes, no, no. He says, you need a goal. <laughs> 
and he was right. I need a goal because it's so easy to just put something off and off and off unless you have somebody that holds your feet to the fire and keeps you accountable. So he kept me accountable and I made every appointment and got everything turned in. So, you know, that's what we do when we have to, right? Um, Okay, back to the book. I also realized that by attending the university, I had the opportunity to get at least one item on my list checked off. I signed up for voice lessons. I ended up taking three terms in a row. I'm not a great singer, but I had fun and learned something about correct breathing techniques. My final project in my third term included arranging and singing a jazz rendition of the Star Spangled Banner and to sing an Italian aria in front of my teacher, classmates, and guests. Um, I have to just add to that. I did sing that aria and didn't do it very well, but at least I got it out. But the, remember your jazz version of Star Spangled Banner. That was good. I do remember mm-hmm. it, but people are very sensitive about that. Don't mess with my national anthem, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, people are sensitive to it. I get it, but I couldn't hit all the notes. And so with this version, I could. jazz musicians appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, and I could hit all the notes on that one. So so it actually was a win-win for me, but, but people do get cranky when you mess with their national anthem. So I have to be careful where I demonstrate that one. Okay, back to the book. I went back to work about six months later, but I continued working on my list. Finally, seven years later, I completed the most important item on my list. On June 14th, 2003, I got my college degree. I checked two other things off my list that same day. In 2001, my dear friend Ivan was graduating from the same school. I decided to attend the graduation ceremony and was sitting there among the audience of 700 friends and family members. Boy, I miss being able to do that. Um, Listening intently to the three student speakers. Sitting in my seat, I visualized being on that stage, not only as a graduate, but as a speaker. That day, I knew I would speak at my graduation, and I added it to my list that night. When classes began the following term, I began lobbying my advisor, Jeff Sweeney, and begged him to recommend me for the role of graduation speaker. I continued to do so for the next two years. He thought I was a little crazy, first for wanting to speak, and second for starting to lobby so early, like what, two years early. (laughs) He suggested that I wait until my senior year to ask again. I think I drove him nuts. Anyway, I worked my way through my junior year, and finally, when I registered for my classes as a senior, I asked again. Jeff agreed to start the conversation with the powers that be. In the final months before graduation, I was beginning to get concerned. I hadn't heard from Jeff I knew that if I missed this opportunity, I would miss it forever. It was on my list, so it had to happen, and I had only one shot at making it happen. I contacted Jeff by email and asked in the subject line, is it time yet? Jeff quickly wrote back, soon. More time went by, and I wrote him again, is it time yet? He wrote back, the nomination forms have just come out. I've placed your name on the list. That was, there was deafening silence for at least another month. I finally contacted Jeff by voicemail one last time, and I said, Jeff, I haven't heard anything. I don't know if that means I was not selected or they have not decided yet. Anything you could tell me would be greatly appreciated. Again, I waited. Finally, just two weeks before my graduation ceremony, I received the call I had been hoping for. It was a Friday, and I was sitting at my desk at work. The phone rang, but I was late for an appointment, and I really didn't have time to answer the phone, so I let it go to voicemail. When I came back from my appointment and played my message, it was from the Dean of Admissions, Mary Lee King. She asked me to call her back within 30 minutes, if possible, or it would have to wait until Monday. She gave no indication as to why she was calling, but I knew she was the person in charge of graduation ceremonies. 
My heart was pounding as I picked up the receiver and began dialing her number. I was hoping I hadn't missed her. The phone rang and she picked it up on the second or third ring. This is Mary Lee. Hi, Mary Lee. This is Becky Olson. I'm sorry I missed your call earlier. I'm glad you're still there. I had called her back with only seconds to spare. She was just getting ready to walk out the door when her phone rang. Mary Lee responded, I'm glad you called. You've been nominated and accepted as a speaker for graduation. Unfortunately, the wheels of education turn slowly sometimes. I'm sorry we've taken so long to get back with you. Are you still interested in speaking at graduation? Stop for a moment. (laughs) This sounds like this happened over a few weeks or months. Your grades were top marks, as in straight A's, for all these years, starting with that first class. Mm -hmm. And I think you got an A minus once and you were so disappointed. Because that's not a 4.0. It's no. like a 3.7 or something like that. But when mixed in with all the others, I know you were like 3.999999. Right. It was beautiful. So good job. You Thank you. You earned an opportunity because of your academic achievements to speak there. Well, maybe that or Jeff just didn't want to have to get another phone call from me. <laughs> Might have persistence helps. But persistence in persistence academic does pursuit help. does help. Absolutely. And that's that's kind of a good message for life. Sometimes you don't get what you want the first time out, but don't be afraid to ask again. I mean, and, 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 and sometimes you don't get what you want. At all, yeah, you know, that's at right. all. Um, so anyway, well, we're going to go out to break. So that's a good place to end it. And we will pick this up on the other side. So stay tuned. We'll be back in a minute. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. Female cancers affect women. But women's effects are felt throughout our families, workplaces, and communities. Electa is driving advances in precision radiation medicine across our portfolio of devices. By enabling treatment that is highly responsive to changes in tumor shape, position, and biology, but doesn't compromise the health of surrounding tissue and the patient, we protect the moments that matter in the lives of women with female cancers and everyone they touch. Learn more at electa.com. That's E-L-E-K-T-A dot com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Because this is a podcast (laughs) and they just gave the number, Uh if they call it whenever they're listening... 
Aaron might get a call in the middle of the night. It could happen. That'd be awesome. Yeah. He'd say, who is Please this calling me? Please call this during the live show. No, call him in the middle of the yeah. night. Hi, Aaron. Aaron, nice you wouldn't mind, you. would you? <laughs> oh, I don't know if he's even going to respond to that no. one. All right. So, okay. So now I just got the call from Mary Lee and she said, are you still interested in speaking at graduation? What do you think I said? No. Mm, yeah. Let me think about it. <laughs> okay. Um, it's a good thing she couldn't see me because I had tears in my eyes, as I said, I would love to. It reminds me of from that scene of Love Actually, where the guy finally that she's got the crush on finally shows up at her at her apartment. And she goes, one moment, there's something I have to do. And she goes around the corner on the stairs and does a silent scream and ah, because she's so happy. And then she goes, okay, that's done. <laughs> that was funny. That's kind of how I felt. I had already written, rewritten, and delivered my speech many times to an imaginary audience. Over the preceding months, people watching me driving down the street probably thought I was a crazy woman. They could easily see I was talking to someone, but no one was in the seat next to me. I had a trick that I used if someone pulled up next to me. I would start tapping on my steering wheel, bounce my head back and forth, and pretend I was singing to the radio. I don't think that that worked, though. They would just smile and nod, I'm sure, while thinking that crazy woman is talking to herself and trying to get me to think she's singing. (laughs) Of course, now it's easy. Everybody's got Bluetooth. Everybody talks to themselves all the time. It's crazy. After the call from Mary Lee, I really didn't care. I was crying, and my hands were shaking as I hung up the phone. Over the next two weeks, I changed my speech several times, and I finally got it down to a one-page outline. I placed it in the new format several times, or practiced it in the new format several times and finally had it down, or so I thought. Graduation day was upon me. I was in line waiting for my turn to walk onto the stage. The auditorium was packed, and as I got closer to the front of the line, my nerves got the better of me. The plan was that I would be called on stage just as the others before me, but when my name was announced, they would introduce me as a student speaker. Then I would take over the the lectern as the others stepped away and present my speech. I was finally in the front of the line and waited at the base of the steps for my turn once again in the spotlight. Suddenly, I, <laughs> I couldn't remember my first sentence, and that's scary. Um, having spoken many times in front of audiences, I know that the most important thing in presenting a speech is getting off to a good start. If you have a strong opening, the rest usually flows naturally. Forgetting my opening line at one of the most important moments of my life was not a good sign. Fortunately, I was still out of sight of the audience and they couldn't see the panic on my face. Thank goodness I had my outline with me because as I opened my discreet navy blue folder and took a peek inside, it was right there and my memory returned. On June 14, 2003, I stood before an audience of nearly 800 people with only two thoughts, don't cry and don't forget my speech. I opened my folder just in case and I never looked down. I started with the usual stuff, thanking three of my teachers and my advisor, Jeff, all of whom were sitting on the stage behind me. Then I moved on to my personal story and how important it is to take baby steps toward your goals. I talked about passion and how short life is. I gave a graduation speech that was met with more applause and laughter than I would ever have imagined. One check mark. I picked up my folder and walked the rest of the way across the stage, smiling at my professors as they applauded and smiled back, and I picked up my diploma. Check mark number two. My third check mark came later that night at my graduation party. One of the goals on my list had been to sing lead with the band, but finding a band that would allow me to sing with them seemed unlikely because <laughs> you have to actually be talented to sing and have somebody invite you to do that. So my husband formed his own band for the party. 
He had been playing in a Beatles tribute band, so he invited some of the guys to play for the reception. They invited me to practice with them. We practiced for a month, and that night I walked to the stage and took the center microphone. I belted out, Oh, Darlin' by the Beatles. The range was a little high, but I managed it anyway, and I sang a couple of others too. Bill told the audience after I sang that I had just completed one more thing on my bucket list. They all cheered for me. If I sang badly, no one told me. You nailed old darling. Did I? Yeah, I put a G on it. Old darling. (laughs) Well, check mark number three. So I got all three of those checked. The next morning, I opened my day planner in the quietness of my kitchen table and rather unceremoniously, but with a big smile on my face, checked those three things off my list. And right there, there's a picture of me with my diploma and a smile on my face and my little cap and gown. Boy, that was a long time ago. <laughs> now, in the voice of Sean Connery, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> I love your face when you do that. You're so cute. There are two things you need to know about a list such as this. First, you want to include things that, you, that will take you a while to accomplish. If everything on it is something you can do in a week, when the week is over, you have no reason to keep on living. Everything is done. Second, you never want to complete everything on the list. As you check one thing off, you need to add one thing on. As I placed the check marks next to the three things on my list that morning following my graduation, I added four more things. The first one is to get my master's degree. Now, just to say to that, I don't care about that anymore, so that's not on my list anymore. Um, The second is to appear as a guest on Oprah Winfrey's show, but now I'd rather be on Ellen. That's a little side note. (laughs) third is to dance with Patrick Swayze. Okay, so I'm a dreamer. All three are still unfulfilled, but perhaps someday they might happen. Now, I have to tell you a little story about Patrick Swayze, because this is kind of cool. You know, I believe that that there's more than one way to accomplish a goal, and in this particular situation, you know, I I really did want to dance with Patrick Swayze sometime, and I just thought it'd be really an awesome thing. You were one of the few women on the planet that wanted to achieve that goal. I know. I'm sure one Mm. of the several million on this planet, just a few of us. Um, But he was getting sicker and sicker, and it was starting to look like that probably was never going to happen. I I tried even at speaking events, the six degrees of separation, that someone would know someone who would know someone. And I actually got close to someone who knew his mother who had a school where she taught dance lessons. But I never got got the introduction. But as he got sicker with pancreatic cancer and then he finally passed away, it was it was sad. And my husband came home that night with a dozen white flowers for me to just in honor of his passing because he knew that, that that meant something to me. And that was very sweet gesture, honey. Something very sweet and very romantic on your part. Well, anyway, I went to bed one night and I had this crazy dream. I dreamed with my husband with me, that we were at this mansion on these grounds. The grounds were beautiful, so well-maintained, and twinkle lights everywhere. And as we were um, walking through these gardens, this song came up, this beautiful song that Patrick sang at the end of Dirty Dancing. <laughs> now, that's not the kind of dancing I wanted to do. I wanted to, like, you know, waltz with them you or something. You wanted the lift. I would, the lift, yeah, that would be great if I didn't kill myself. But um, so I looked at my husband and... And, I, and Patrick looked at me, and he said, would you like to dance? And I looked at my husband, and I said, can I, honey? And, you, and he so sweetly took my hand and put it in Patrick's hand and said, go for it. And he stood there and watched, and we danced. And it felt, when I woke up in the morning, it felt 
like that dream dance was a real dance with Patrick Swayze. So that to me was was a gift from God to allow me to fulfill that dream. And when I told my husband about it in the morning, he goes, good, can you take this off your list now? <laughs> <laughs> and so we did. So there, there's more than one way to meet those goals. Um, this one was a very interesting perspective, but but don't give up on things that you want to do. If, you know, if there's a way... God can help you find that way, too. So let's see. Where am I? Um, I checked a few. um, Oh, the fourth thing I wanted to do is I wanted to publish my book. And the fact that you're reading it now or hearing me read it now will tell you that I've accomplished this task. Yes, indeed, with God's help. I've checked a few other things off my list in the eight years since its creation. And that's actually been longer ago now. And up until the writing of this book, for example, I was nearly robbed in Italy. Italy was on my list, not the part about getting robbed. Um, I've enjoyed the soaring bald eagles in Alaska where I was born, and I was enchanted by the largest rolling sagebrush I have ever seen while visiting Montana. Big as a buffalo. Do you remember that one oh, rolling down the hill? Or the, down the road? It was yeah. crazy. Major highway, and there's this giant sagebrush just... As big as a buffalo. (laughs) It was. It was crazy. I spent time in Vermont and toured New England with my husband. In fact, part of this book included this sentence written on that trip. I'm still building a library room in our home in Portland, Oregon. And when we actually downsized a year and a half ago, I brought the bookshelf with me with tons of books on it. So kind of still carried that over into our new place. I love books and need a place to house them all. I may never finish that goal, but it will be fun to try. For sure, there will be at least one copy of this book on that shelf, and I'll even sign it. So, oh, uh, sorry. I don't this almost, is my line. I know, I almost forgot. Now in the voice of William Shatner. Dot! Dot, dot. <laughs> With the hands. You have the, you have the Leonard Des Moines hand thing yeah. going Hope on there. William Shatner is known to people. You know, Captain, Captain Kirk. Captain Kirk. <laughs> Thank you. That was, I almost skipped over that. I encourage you to dream. No one knows how much time they have and focus on living, make a list, check it twice, and then start taking baby steps toward making that dream part of your life. And then there's a photo of me in Italy with our daughter. That's a beautiful picture, but our daughter Elizabeth is hunched down so she doesn't tower over you so much. She must have been really cold that day. She's really snuggling you. She, it was very cold. It was January. That's a beautiful January fountain behind you. Yeah. And we've been there when it's warm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, it's beautiful. So, again, make that list and make that list become part of your life. It's not something that lives over on the shelf. It's part of your life. And it's important to accept it that way because that list is what will give you, you know, the focus and the desire to start to make these things happen one at a time. And when COVID is over and we've got our vaccine and we can start traveling again, that'll be a blessing for everybody. So, anyway, all right, we are on to the next chapter. Oh, and in my book, there's a chapter there, or there's a page that says list of things to do before I die. And then there's blank blank lines. And it's a place for you to write the things that you want to do in your life as part of your bucket list. So there you go. All right, chapter 12, the 5-H Club. I promised you in the beginning that if you were a breast cancer patient, that you would hopefully realize that the best is yet to come. Well, here it is. If you missed your chance to join 4-H as a kid, now is your chance. Join the 5-H club now. And the 5-H's are hair, humor, health, happiness, and hope. First, hair. It will grow back, most likely, and probably better than before. As my hair finally began to, to come back in, at first it was a non-color, no pigment, but eventually it turned darker brown than before. 
It was curly and much darker than the hair I lost. It was months before it straightened out, but even then it was thicker and better than before. But it, but it wouldn't have really mattered. I didn't care how it looked. I had hair. Now, this isn't in the book because I hadn't written this part yet, but I'm doing this again. So my hair looks very funny right now. My husband keeps shaving it to keep up with the hair loss. So I still have a little on the top of my head. I can still comb it over, but the comb over is getting harder, isn't it? It's very cute, though. (laughs) Well, that's what you say, but that's because you love me. It is. It it is is. what it is. (laughs) Second, humor. Breast cancer and particularly my hat helped me recapture my sense of humor. When my hair first came back in, it was really too short to wear without some type of covering. So I either wore my hat or a wig. I was thrilled at finally being able to wear the wig since I found it difficult to wear with my bald head. It was way too scratchy. I remember one time I was at an event wearing my wig over very short hair. It was just starting to grow and was only about a half an inch long. A woman came up to me with my wig on and said, I love your hair. I said, thank you, would you like it? (laughs) I responded, and I pulled the wig right off my head and handed it to her. (laughs) It really threw her for a loop, but we all got a good laugh out of it. Third, health. When I speak about health, I'm not talking about diet and exercise. After all, at 5'3 and on the upside of 150 pounds, I didn't feel qualified to talk about that. The only thing I know about fitness is that I need to eat less and move more. Or is it eat more and move less? I don't know. I get confused sometimes. (laughs) No, I'm talking about emotional health. This includes having the desire for company, social activities, and the willingness to accept help from others. And again, going back to what we're dealing with now. Mm -hmm. COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah. People will listen to this in a thousand years. That'd be nice. It'd be cool. Would be. And then they'll go, what was COVID-19? Yeah. And someday this will be a distant memory, we hope. Oh, they cured that. Yeah, eventually. So it's it's tough right now, though, and kind of keep that in mind. If you know someone who is battling cancer right now, they probably are facing this more alone than they they have. And and be there even if it's just in phone calls and Zoom meetings, Skype, whatever it takes, you know, to stay part of their life. Or write a letter with a postage stamp. People in the future will go. What's that? that? Or actually pick up the phone and dial a phone number and talk to people. That's kind of cool, What's too. What's that? Phone call? Dial? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's pretty cool. And our, our kids have developed something that we do. It's called the Thursday Afternoon Fam Jam. So on Thursday afternoons at a set time, we all log into a Zoom call. Zoom. And anyone who can be on it is on it with us. And we just kind of go around talking about what's going on in our life this week. Talk about anything exciting, anything they might need help with. It's just some way to stay connected. And our family spread all over the country. so. And even really if I'm helpful. not near home and traveling, I can use my communicator and participate. Use your communicator? Yeah, that's the a phone? Star Trek term, which became <laughs> a cell phone. There you go. <laughs> so it's really helpful, but it's really important. I guess bottom line, don't use this as a time to stay apart. Use this as a time to stay connected in whatever way it takes. A death threat such as breast cancer often is the one thing that shakes a person into reevaluating their needs. Once we know that we are mortal beings and that we can't do it all alone, we begin, we begin to look at our old ways and try to find ways to change them. As you begin altering your lifestyle to include time for yourself and those you care about, you will find your energy level returning faster. Researchers have known that for some time that people will heal faster when they are emotionally strong. There are many good books on emotional healing. The Bible is one such source. 
By completely giving your situation over to God, you will find strength you never knew you had. Fourth, happiness. I am doing what I love. I still have a very busy job, but I no longer work 12 to 14 hours a day. Now, just so you know, I quit that job back in 2015, but this book was written in 2004, so I don't have this job anymore. But I no longer work 12 to 14 hours a day just to please my boss and gain personal recognition. I try to limit my work to 10 hours maximum so that I can come home and spend time with my family and projects that I love. I finished my college degree in June of 2003, about the same time I finished the first draft of this book. In rearranging my time and figuring out what matters, I finally found out what I really want to do is write and do public speaking. Breast cancer forced me to make these changes, and they have been good changes. And finally, hope. With all the advancements in breast cancer treatment, there is much hope. As long as we have hope, we have everything. In October of 2003, I met a woman who told me she had been diagnosed with breast cancer and was given three months to live. 26 years later, she was telling me all about it. No one knows anything for sure. God is the creator of life, and he will decide when it's time to go home. So never lose hope. And I want to thank you for listening to all of that. And we're going to move on to chapter 13. But I think we'll just do it after the break. This chapter is called The Gift. And it involves a little tiny poem that I wrote one day when I was driving down the road trying to look like I wasn't talking to myself. (laughs) And uh, I think it's a good one. So anyway, stay tuned. We will be back in a minute. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. Female cancers affect women, but women's effects are felt throughout our families, workplaces, and communities. Electa is driving advances in precision radiation medicine across our portfolio of devices. By enabling treatment that is highly responsive to changes in tumor shape, position, and biology, but doesn't compromise the health of surrounding tissue and the patient, we protect the moments that matter in the lives of women with female cancers and everyone they touch. Learn more at electa.com. That's E-L-E-K-T-A.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. We're on, we're on chapter 13, we my are. favorite number. Yeah, <laughs> that's okay. I won't ask you why, but... Well, I was born on the 13th of July at 7.13 in the morning. There you go. 
And you drove your mother home from the hospital, as I recall. Yeah, yeah. very good. Took, All right. Uh, 13 minutes. I drove really fast. <laughs> okay. So we are on Chapter 13. And oh, let me officially welcome you back to our show because we are so happy that you're listening in. And this chapter is called The Gift. And, you know, to me, this is one of the my favorite chapters in this book because I think we all come here on this earth with something that we've been given as a gift to present to the world. So it's kind of about that. And, you know, as a cancer survivor, sometimes it's hard to remember all of these things because we're so focused on what our bodies are going through. So bear with me as we get through this. I I think it's, hopefully you'll find it uplifting and love your comments on Breast Friends Around the Globe and let me know if you found any, any relief in this. Okay, chapter 13, The Gift. Oliver Wendell Holmes once said, cemeteries are full of people who died with their music still in them. Why is this so? Too often it's because they're always getting ready to live. Before they know it, time runs out. One day while walking through a cemetery, I thought about this profound statement. I thought about the music as being passion for life and the blessings we were born to receive. I also wondered why we were always getting ready to live rather than just start living. As I walked from tombstone to tombstone, I read about fathers, mothers, brothers, and sisters, all of whom certainly had their lives cut short, regardless of their age or circumstance. I wondered, as I read each name, if their music died with them, and I wondered what their music was. It was a bittersweet moment. I was sad for them, but happy in my own realization. In the voice of Aaron, the producer, dot, dot, dot. Yep. He's so positive. I know. He's very positive and happy. That's why I always love talking to him. The book entitled The Prayer of Jabez by Bruce Wilkinson, taken from the Bible in 1 Chronicles 4, 9-10, speaks of a warehouse full of shelves containing beautifully wrapped white boxes with red ribbons. The boxes contain the blessings that God has for each and every one of us. The warehouse is full of them because, sadly, we have not asked to receive them. I think we all have a peek inside... I'm sorry, let me stay. I think we have all had a peek inside our box. We have in some small way felt a tug or an inspiration to do something creative and wonderful, yet we ignore those longings. We believe that only children can experience such dreams. We believe that we are being silly or foolish to try such nonsense. I believe that those subtle messages are a look at our blessings, our passion, our music. I had one of those very special aha moments on January 29th, 2003. I was driving to Salem, rehearsing a speech that I may or may not ever be asked to give, and I asked my pretend audience to imagine sitting at their kitchen table. In front of them on the table is a beautiful satin box with a removable lid. I asked them to imagine their gift hiding inside the box, a gift from God that only they have seen. I asked them to do something so brave, so bold, that they would know that the courage to do so would only come from God. And I had this poem, take the lid off of that box and throw that lid away. Take your gift out of the box and put it on display. I asked them to imagine what it would feel like if they could use that gift in a way to build passion in their lives. As a small child, I used to twirl around my house in a ballet costume. I imagined being a ballerina on center stage. My parents gave me ballet lessons for some time, but like kids so often do, I gave it up when it became too difficult. As a young adult, I maintained my passion for dance. I taught disco, but I gave that up when I figured out you couldn't make enough money to support the family, and I still love to dance. (laughs) But I feel I waited too long to do anything about that. Now I enjoy it through watching others, but how I wish that I still danced. 
At this time, we're approaching Halloween, so in the voice of Boris Karloff, dot, dot, dot. (laughs) While in college, I read a book called Zen and the Art of Making a Living by Lawrence G. Bolt. The author discusses how great it is to be able to make a living doing what you love. Imagine if you could do anything you want and you knew you would not fail, said Lucy Martin in her workshop called Now is My Time. What would you do? If you can turn that one thing into your life's work, you'll never feel like you are working. Life would be your playground. Only a few people are brave enough to venture into that direction. I think it's because they know that they are likely to starve, and a lot of them do, (laughs) but they go out with smiles on their faces. Since my cancer diagnosis, I've spent a lot of time re-examining my life. I'm not unique. That's what happens to most people when faced with a life-threatening illness. One thing I have discovered is that that it is such a waste of time to wait until then to figure out what you should be doing. What were you meant to do? What is the one thing that still tugs at your heart from time to time? Could it be your gift? Now in the voice of one of our presidential candidates. Who says nothing? (laughs) What? Am I supposed to say something? Shush. Okay. (laughs) I urge you to listen to the calling of your heart. If you dream about doing something special, find a way to start. Just start and the rest will take care of itself. As a Christian, I believe that things happen for a reason and we need to keep our hearts open to the call of God. I believe that we all have a purpose on this earth and that God gives us our passion so that we may find our purpose. It is difficult to see now, but there is a reason that God chose to allow you to endure this disease. Perhaps it is your strength of character or perhaps it is to help you slow down to find your gift, and learn to share it with the world. As you read in the previous chapter, my passion is public speaking and writing. I recently found a way to live my passion, which I now believe will lead to my purpose, to share this message of hope and encouragement to women and families suffering through this dreadful disease. And i that's the end of that chapter. So um, we are at chapter 14. Oh, no, there's no more dots there. I don't think I'm going to cut you off the dot job. <laughs> really? I'm running yeah. out of voices. I know. <laughs> that last one. <laughs> I don't think you can do the other one. So, um, all right. Okay, we're going to go to Chapter 14, and it's called Journal. Do you have enough time? Yes, I do. Let's go for Let's it. Let's go for it. Not my favorite number, 14. I'm sorry. That's okay, though. But it comes after 13, so it's yes, close. Yes, and before 15. Mm-hmm. Not okay. my favorite I have never been one to keep a journal. <clears throat> I've never thought about writing my life in a book. Maybe I was afraid of what it would look like. Maybe I was too busy to make the time for it. After my diagnosis, I kept a journal. Mostly dates and times. I don't know why I felt it was important, at least not then, but I do now. Without my notes, this book would have been much more difficult to write. Because I kept a log of significant dates and feelings, I had the blueprint in place to write this manuscript. When I started, I didn't start out writing a book. I simply wrote a paragraph. One paragraph became two, two became three. Before I knew it, I was a writer on my way to becoming a published author. I took pictures of my bald head, not because I liked the looks of it, but because I saw a photo of Gilda Radner in a book about her experience with cancer. I didn't plan to put it in a book when I took the photo, but I thought that it might be important to my kids one day, and I had no idea at that time that it would end up being in my final manuscript. Writing helps me organize my thoughts and fears. It's not perfect, but it's mine. The beautiful thing about writing your story is that it is your story. There is no judge, no jury. 
It's pure and it's right. No matter the outcome, it is still your story. It is perfect. Right. You could write a book about writing. I could write a book about writing. Good, good end I'll for that. I'll just say that, right. And all the other pages will be, will be blank. <laughs> right. Okay. So now we're actually at the, the final actual real part of my book. It's called Part 3. And as I mentioned, the first part of the book is really just my story so you can get a sense of what it's like to go through a cancer diagnosis, whether you're the patient or the supporter. The second part is inspirational things for the survivor. And I hope that if you listened all the way through that you really picked up on some ideas that hopefully will help you through this emotional struggle that we all face during during this battle. And this part is called Help for You, the Friend, because everyone wants to know how to help and how to support, but so often we don't have a clue what that looks like. So this is just ideas for you and maybe some tips on how to offer support in a way that might be more easily accepted. So with that, we shall start, see how far we get, and then we'll probably have to end before we're done, I'm sure. So this is chapter 15. We're on to 15 now. Feel okay with that chapter number? Not my favorite number. Not your favorite number. Okay, well, this one's called Out of Sight, Out of Mind. So we'll put chapter 15, Out of Sight, Out of Mind. Despair is perhaps the greatest tragedy of breast cancer. Loneliness and isolation so often accompany treatment, and left unattended, this can lead to despair. Despair causes lack of hope, and without hope, we have nothing. David Spiegel, MD, encourages cancer patients to build a strong bond of social support. He stated in an article titled, Introduction to Cancer Psychosocial Support, cancer can be a very isolating experience. Friends and family may feel awkward about discussing cancer with someone who has the disease. Cancer patients are often removed from the flow of life, spending time getting treatment rather than at work or with family. Andrew Nyer, Ph.D., Ernest Rosenblum, M.D., and Isadora Rosenbaum, M.A., suggest that one of the strategies in their book, Cancer Coping Strategies, in which they list 10 steps toward emotional well-being, that reaching out for support can promote well-being, thereby enabling the patient to feel more energetic and resilient. These professors, excuse me, these professionals understand the importance of support for cancer patients. In their work, they successfully communicate that message to people like you who are living the trauma with someone they care about. The work we do with breast cancer patients and their families through Breast Friends has given us the opportunity to find out about the difficult things that face the potential caregiver, the friend. The most common concern is not knowing what to do or how to help. We tend to back away because we don't want to hurt the patient's feelings or embarrass ourselves. Backing away is the worst possible action we can take. Once we back away, we lose sight of the problem. We get back to our busy lives, and once there, it is so easy to get caught up in the day-to-day routine of living. Meanwhile, the patient is alone and afraid. Backing away is indeed... Dot, dot, dot. No, let me get my sentence in. Backing away is indeed not the right response. Are you upset that I interrupted you? (laughs) Because I'm just being fair to the other presidential candidate. Oh, stop it. (laughs) I guess we have to go on both sides of this, right? I've done it. I've done it both. There you go. Okay. I guess we don't have to edit one out because now we got one for each That's part, right. each side. <laughs> All right. I'm bipartisan. Okay. So and bipolar. may I please finish what I was saying before yes. I got interrupted? Okay. So, go ahead and try. <laughs> backing away is indeed not the right response. Dot, dot, dot. There you go. Okay. Repeatedly, I, <laughs> repeatedly, I hear that many patients experience a flutter of activity and support in the beginning. While the patient is in the hospital, people come to visit. 
You may have even been one of those visitors. You probably brought flowers and a card. You might have even offered to take care of her family during the hospital stay by cooking a meal or helping with daycare. All of this is wonderful, but it is not enough. Once the patient goes home to recover, the reality of her situation is just beginning to sink in. You may think your job is done. It isn't. People believe incorrectly that since the urgency is over, the patient will be okay. Once most people don't realize is what most people don't realize is that it's just beginning for the cancer patient. Surgery is often the easy part. The aftermath of chemotherapy, radiation, lymph node surgery, and depression are the worst parts, and oftentimes she has not even begun to deal with them. Once home from the hospital, the patient will find that she has way too much time on her hands. <clears throat> she is often alone with her thoughts and many promises of help. One of the most common statements from her friends is likely to sound something like this. Please call me if there is anything I can do to help. It's a great offer and usually very sincere. The problem is most patients won't place that call. Yes, they need the help, but they don't want to be a burden, so they suffer alone. In the voice of Oliver Wendell Holmes, dot, dot, dot. (laughs) Not only is backing away bad for the patient, it is also bad for you, the friend. In 2002, I was working with a client. She saw the pin I was wearing on my lapel that represented the nonprofit organization that I co-founded called Breast Friends. She asked me to tell her about the pin. I shared her with, with about the work we were doing with newly diagnosed cancer patients and their friends and family. As I told my story, I saw her become teary-eyed, and I asked her, are you okay? No, not really, she replied. She went on to tell me that her dear friend and mentor, who helped her just as she was completing law school and heading toward the bar exams, had been diagnosed with breast cancer. Like so many, my client, busy with her own life and experiences, did not call her friend to offer assistance. She thought about calling her quite frequently, in fact, but she got busy and kept putting it off. She told me that one day while sitting at her desk, the mail was delivered, and in it was the monthly industry newsletter for her area. As she read the newsletter, her heart was torn in two when she read the notice of her friend's memorial service. Needless to say, my client was devastated. I never got to say goodbye, she tearfully confessed. Clearly, staying in touch is important not only to the survivor, but to you as the friend, and we are out of time. We will be back next week, and until then, remember there is always hope, and we are here to help you find it. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Please join Becky Olson again next Wednesday at 12 o'clock noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. There is always hope, and we are here to help you find it. We'll talk again next time.